Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. Good morning and welcome to Horizon West Church Online. Uh, If you're watching with us live, uh, we're at a new time of 9.30, and uh, we just thought that might be a little bit of a better time slot as you get your day started to go ahead and and be uh, together with your family or your uh, people and and to hear from the Lord and be able to worship with us. So uh, we hope that you're encouraged and blessed, uh, not only by the service, but by uh, the new time that we're coming uh, to you with. And also, I want to encourage you, if you haven't yet, if you're the parent of a child, um, we want to encourage you to participate in our online VBS this year. I know my family uh, has gotten our packets for our kids. Uh, Vacation Bible School Online is happening July 20th to the 24th, and there's still time to register. We want to encourage you to do that. You know, there's certain things that we just can't do right now, uh, but we want to press into all the things that God has for us. And we believe Vacation Bible School VBS Online is going to be a great experience. Uh, for your kids, or maybe you know others uh, who have children, you want to encourage them to participate. We'd love for you to do that uh, as well. Hey, I'm also really excited because tonight we get the opportunity to gather again at at Harvest Church, rather, in Horizon West. Uh, We're going to meet tonight at 5 in the evening, and we'll have the information in the comments for you as far as the time, location, so you can plan to be there with us. We want to reiterate that if you're not yet ready to be in person with, uh, with other people, don't feel any pressure or obligation. Uh, But we know that several of you have expressed the desire to just be uh, in proximity, and and we want to give you opportunity to do that tonight at 5. Well, if you're anything like me, you've experienced something being relatively important, but all of a sudden becoming extremely urgent. Uh, One example might be, uh, you know, your house can be relatively unclean, but all of a sudden, company's coming over in 30 minutes, and what happens? You kick it into high gear, don't you? You get everything cleaned up because what was only relatively important before now feels urgent. Uh, Living in Florida, another experience is having things outside that needed to be fixed up or cleaned up or put away or projects completed, and all of a sudden, a hurricane's bearing down on us, and what happens? We race to get all those things taken care of and loose ends tied up, what was relatively important before suddenly feels urgent. Today, we're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 1, and Peter is going to give us a series of reasons why we need to urgently live and share the good news of Jesus, not just to have it as a relatively important part of our life, but at the very forefront of our urgency, our time, and our efforts. So let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1 and begin in verse 12. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it is right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. My first observation in that text is simply this. Repetition is the best teacher. Perhaps you've heard that expression, repetition is the best teacher. The best way for somebody to understand something is for us to say it again, 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 and when they're sick of hearing it, to say it one more time. I'll admit to y'all that, you know, there is a pressure that I feel, some weeks more than others, but there is a pressure that I feel sometimes to every week, every message, to have something new and revelatory and earth-shaking to bring to you. 
But the fact of the matter is what, what changes us, what we most need to be anchored to is not some, some new truth that we've never heard before, but rather the old truth in which we are firmly established and rooted. Peter's saying it's things that you already know that I want to bring up and bring to the forefront of your mind because it's going to call you to attention. It's going to call you to an urgency of living and sharing the good news of Jesus. He uses the word established. Why? Because we all know that the most important thing about a building is its foundation. This picture will look familiar to you. This is the Leaning Tower of Pisa. I don't know how it looks to you on the, on, on the stream, but to me, I can tell that this thing is leaning uh, and, and it's leaning at a five degree angle. And I did some research around that this week and, and you may or may not know this, but this is what I discovered about the Leaning Tower of Pisa. The tower was built in the early 12th century on ground that was too soft on one side to support its weight. And so as each successive story was added, the foundation destabilized, eventually displacing the tower by five and a half degrees. See, what looked okay when, when, when it was originally there was exposed as something different the taller it got. I can't tell you how many times we've seen the painful reality of, of lives that looked like they were rooted in Christ, looked like the foundation was there, but as opportunity came, as, as maybe wealth or fame or, or popularity skyrocketed, that, that we've seen even Christian leaders crumble under the weight of a life that wasn't built on the right foundation. I remember in high school praying the prayer, I said, Lord, never allow me to, to surpass an opportunity what I possess in integrity. In other words, God, I, I would rather live anonymously pastoring a small church somewhere that no one knows about and live with integrity than to have all the opportunity, the fame, the wealth in the world and be exposed as having a foundation that was lacking. Peter's going to say, you're established in the right things, but I'm going to recall these things to you. I'm going to remind you, I'm going to bring you back again and again to the foundation because the foundation is the most important thing. If your spiritual life is leaning five and a half degrees or 10 or 20 or more, it may be time to look at the foundation upon which you've built. What are you believing about God or yourself or others that's not true? Uh, who or what is influencing your minute by minute thoughts and uh, attitude? Where are you turning for comfort? Where are you turning for security or hope? See, if these foundational questions are off, then what's going to happen is time, and I said last week, that the longer we walk with Jesus, the more we should look like him. But if the foundation is off, if the foundation is faulty, the more we follow, the further we're going to get, and the more we'll be exposed as having a bad foundation. So here's the first reason that Peter is going to give us for having an urgency in the way we live and share the good news of Jesus. The first is this, our time is short. Our time is short. Peter uses this word body. The NIV will actually say in the tent of this body, but in our version that we're looking at, the English standard version, it just says the body. That's because that's how the Greek has it. But, but the reason it sometimes gets translated as the tent of this body is that the, the word Peter uses, the Greek word skenoma, is actually tent. So he says, as long as I'm in this tent, I think it's right to remind you of these things. What in the world is Peter talking about? Well, well Peter is, is using a word, it can alternately be translated as tabernacle. 
It's basically a temporary dwelling. It's, it's not the place that you live. It's, it's a shelter that you put up when you're on your way somewhere else. And Peter says, this body, this life I have here, this is simply a tent, a temporary shelter because I'm on my way to somewhere else. Now, let me ask you, some of you enjoy camping. Some of you probably don't enjoy camping. Uh, my family does it very infrequently. Uh, maybe twice a year, we're, we're, we find ourselves in, in a tent situation, uh, maybe two nights a year, probably one time. The other 350 or 350 of the other nights of the year, we're in our home. We're, we're where we live. We're in a place of solid shelter. That's where we go when the hurricanes come. And I can promise you that I spend a lot less time thinking about the tent that I've got packed up in my garage and used twice a year than I do making investments and considerations for my home. Why? Because the home is what matters. The home is what will remain. The tent will get popped up and pulled back down. And Peter's going to say, yes, in the same way, these physical bodies, this earthly life, it's just a tent. It's just going up for a little while maybe 40, maybe 60, 80, 100 years at best, but it's not what's going to remain. Peter is reminding us that the building of our lives, the things that will remain eternally, that's what's in our soul. That's where the investment, the time, the effort should most be placed. The tent, the thing that we put up and then pack up, that's what our body is. That needs the least amount of our time and attention relative to our soul. This truth is actually uh, highlighted even in the Old Testament, Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. This is what it says. So, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Now, this will be surprising to some of you, but that psalm was not written by David nor one of the other more prolific psalm writers. That psalm was actually written by Moses. You may not have known that. Moses wrote two psalms, chapter 90 and 91. And Moses is going to say in Psalm 90, Lord, teach me to number my days the right way. In other words, help me to have an understanding of the brevity of my life. Because the better you understand the brevity of your physical life, the more accurately you're going to assign values and priorities. See, when we live like we're immortal, when we live like this life is just going to go forever, it's easy to keep things on the back burner. It's easy to get around to the important things. But, but when the hurricane, relatively speaking, when, when that hurricane of the reality of our, the brevity of our life, when that blows through, it can create that sense of urgency. We need to wake up to the fact that our time is, in fact, short. And, and what's Peter's aim with all of this? Where is he going? Well, he says, friends, I'm doing this to stir you up, to stir you up. In verse 13, a translation is, I, I want to I wake you up. I, I want to get you going. I want to push you and propel you forward. That's the goal of Peter's writing in 2 Peter chapter 1. This is what we as a church aim to do on Sundays when we gather and we plan to do that again soon, or even when we're on the online stream, that that through the time of worship and the the teaching and the exhortation, that you get stirred up in your soul and, and that you get woken up to some realities that change the way you live and share the good news of Jesus. This is what the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 10, verses 23 and 24. So let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works. So the same idea here is is get stirred up. Let, Let me ask you this question. 
in between Sundays, in between your small group gatherings? What is stirring you up? What's captivating your thoughts and your emotions? Is it the news and, and what's going on in the world? Is it, is it stuff on social media? Is it, is it worrying about your job or your financial security? Is it your children? What, what's captivating the best part of your emotions? What's stirring you up in between Sundays? And can I admonish you that, that some of that and maybe a lot of that should be God's word and worship and other believers who, who, as you're exposed to those things and as you encounter these things, that your soul gets awakened to the things of God and they take their rightful place of priority in your life. Let's go back to 2 Peter 1. Let me read again verse 14. Peter says, Because I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. I want to give you a few factors to consider because when I first read this, I'm going, man, what is Peter talking about that my, that the Lord Jesus has made clear to me that my end is soon? Like, is this a revelation that Peter has gotten where Jesus said, hey, Peter, uh, your death date is just a few days away. Well, my hunch is that that's not what's going on here. here here's some factors to consider. First is that Peter at the time of second Peter, his, his last letter to the churches is an older man. By older, I mean he's probably in his 60s, and I don't mean to offend anyone, but in the first century in this part of the world, the average life expectancy, if you lived past infancy, average life expectancy was about 55. So so Peter has already surpassed at this point what the average life expectancy is. Not only that, but the, the ruler of Rome in this time is a man named Nero, and if you know anything about history, Nero was not a good person to live under if you were a Christian. And here's Peter, one of the prime leaders of the early church, and he knows that the pressure is on. But there's something else going on here that that I want you to understand and I don't want you to miss because it's really a fascinating uh, thing about scripture. In John chapter 21, Jesus is in the process of reinstating Peter after his denial. And, And as Jesus is reinstating Peter and having this conversation with Peter, he says, by the way, Peter, When you were younger, you went where you wanted to go. You did what you wanted to do. But as you get older and when you get older, other people are going to take you where you don't want to go. And you're going to stretch out your arms in a way you don't want to have them stretched out. And what Jesus was saying, the writer of John tells us, is he was preparing Peter for the way in which he would die. Now, this is fascinating. This is one of the reasons I love scripture. Peter here in First Peter, or rather Second Peter 1, I believe, is recalling the words of Jesus that we see in John 21, and he's putting it together. He's going, okay, here I am, an old man. I, I'm living under a, a ruler who's persecuting and killing Christians, and Jesus has told me, he's revealed to me, that I'm going to die by execution, likely by crucifixion. And Peter's putting it all together and going, it's probably going to happen soon. It's probably coming. I'm not going to live forever. Jesus showed me that I am mortal and that my death is in fact coming. And what I love in that is that even as Peter faces his mortality, even as he recognizes that his death is imminent, where is his concern? It's for other people. He's going, man, I'm not, I'm not going to become uh, self-absorbed. I'm not going to throw myself a pity party. I'm not going to be all caught up in the doom and gloom of my imminent death. I, I know where I'm going. I know that for me to live is Christ and to die is better. That's how Paul said it. And he's going to say, no, no, no. What, what I need to make sure is that other people are taken care of, that other people are invested in 
in such a way as this. This is Peter's concern, even as he faces the end of his life. This book uh, that I'm going to show you is a book that I received um, just a couple of weeks ago. If you can see the title here, it says Heaven, D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was uh, one of the great evangelists of the 19th century. And this book is special to me because of its origin. This came to me from a, a man who's one of our members, a part of our Horizon West Church campus, Tyler Barnes. And Tyler texted me uh, in May, toward the end of May, and he said, hey, Chris, I got a book. I got it from a thrift shop. It's an it's a authentic 19th century copy, and, and I want you to have it. I said, Tyler, man, are you sure you want to part with this? This is incredible. He said, man, th- this is for you, and I want to encourage you. I want you to have this. And what I didn't know is that less than a month later, Tyler, at the age of 46 years old, would suddenly die and be taken to be with Christ. Now, he didn't know that. I didn't know that. But, but Tyler was beginning to live with a sense of the urgency of the gospel. And, and he was texting me about things going, man, Chris, I'm, I'm talking to this person about the gospel and, and I want to serve at the church and, and here's this book on heaven that I want to give you. Tyler's attention was turning more and more to the things of God and for other people. And little did he know that his time was short. Friends, I want us to know and to understand and to live in the reality that our time is short. Go back to the verse with me, 2 Peter 1 and verse 15. Peter writes this, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. My personal belief around this is that whatever is on your mind when death is imminent is the thing for which you lift. I'm gonna say that again. Whatever is on your mind when you come to the end of your life, that's the thing for which you lived. Do you remember Jesus on the cross when when his death is literally uh, coming at him 100 miles an hour? He's hours and maybe minutes away from succumbing to the crucifixion. And what's he doing? Father, forgive them. Why? Because he lived to bring the grace of God to people and he died with forgiveness on his mind. And then he, he laments that the relationship with the father has been broken. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken me? Why? Because Jesus lived with the desire and the, the reality of intimacy with the father. And then he turns to his disciple, John, and says, John, here is your mother. He hands over the responsibility of his own mother to his best friend, John. Why? Because in Jesus' life, his, was, his concern was always for other people. We see in Jesus such a great picture that what was on his mind as his life was coming to an end were the very things that he lived for while he was in fact alive. When I lost my mom at the age of 18 in 2000, I can tell you that we would stay up at night on on several occasions talking. She talked a lot to me and my older brother, Ben, just about things that were on her mind. And a a small fraction of that was her cancer and and her uh, pending uh, death. But a lot more of that was about our younger siblings, about family members who were struggling, who were far from the Lord. And the things that were on her mind were things that mattered eternally because it's what she gave her life for. This is what I would say number two reason to live with urgency is that our impact is long. So number one, our time is short, but number two, our impact is long. Another way to say that is our physical life is short. Our eternal life is forever. It's long. It outlives us. And Peter's going to say, because of this, make every effort. I'm going to make every effort so that you can recall these things. 
A couple of weeks ago, I shared with you a quote by Dallas Willard, a great theologian of the 20th and early 21st century. And Dallas famously said, grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. In, in other words, we can't earn our salvation, but when the grace of God captures our hearts, you better believe that we are to give effort to living for the Lord, to growing in our faith, to building a life that pleases God. And Peter's going to say, I'm going to make this effort so that after my departure, there's some certain things that remain true. Uh, let me ask you this question. What would happen to your family if you were to die tomorrow? What would happen in your job or your business? What would happen in your friend group, in your sphere of influence? If you were gone tomorrow, what have you done? How have you lived in such a way that your legacy will continue to leave an impact on those after you? When our children were young, our girls rather were young, Nikki and I had the opportunity to do a week-long missions trip in Haiti. Um, before we even met, we had both been to Haiti on missions trips. It's one of the first things that connected us. And so here we were, young parents. We had a two-year-old and a three-year-old, I think. And, and we had this opportunity. We're like, man, we want to take it, but can we really leave the kids? And, and of course, we had family that, that we trusted to take care of them. But we made the decision that God was calling us to take that week to, to go and lead a team in Haiti. And I can remember, you guys, the, the, the preparations that went into uh, leaving them with other people. We, we even created a will that, man, if that plane goes down or something happens to us in Haiti, we know that those children are in good hands. We know that they're set up, they're taken care of. And, and we made preparations so that after our departure, should we not return, they would be cared for. I mean, listen, a lot of us with young kids, we even make extensive plans for the babysitter, don't we? We're like writing it all out. Like there's leftover spaghetti in the refrigerator and, you know, all of these things. If your kids are real young and you're a new parent, you've probably got pages of notes because it's more important, you know, when they're little and you're, it's your first. But either way, we, we make preparations because we want them to be taken care of for those few hours that we're away. Does it not make sense to live in such a way that when that inevitable point of departure comes, they're taken care of for the long haul? Practically speaking, you might ask questions like, who would raise your children in your absence? Uh, what's going to happen to your money? These are, these are practical, not necessarily spiritual questions, but it's important. It's important to recognize the length of impact that we have in the life of our children and to live accordingly. And here's one that for all of us that have kids, what, what have you instilled in your children that will continue to point them toward Jesus if you were to be taken from them? What, what prayers, what, what teaching, what training, what correction, what, what have you built into their life so that if you were to be gone tomorrow, they would continue day after day, year after year to be pointed toward Jesus. In 2008, the U.S. Olympic track and field team was expected to be a contender for the gold medal. In fact, you might say that they were uh, the, the expected winners of that, of that race. And you may know what happened, and this picture so well illustrates it. You can see that agonizing drop of the baton when the handoff to the very last runner was not made properly. And the U.S. came in last place in a race that they should have come in first place in. See, the truth is, it's the responsibility of every Christian to live in such a way that when they hand off the baton to the next generation, the handoff's clean. 
the, the family is stronger, the church is better, the world is sharper, that when we make that handoff because we know it will come, our, our time is short, but we know our impact is long and it's so important that we hand that baton off well. Go back with me to 2 Peter 1 and these last verses we're going to look at beginning at verse 16. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you would do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone else's interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Peter's going to use a word here to talk about what our faith and our message is not. And the word in Greek is mythos. You can see the connection there. It's the word myth. He said, this is not what our message is. Our message is not like the Greek mythology that was even in that day so prominent. He says, this is something different. This is something, in fact, he's going to say, we were eyewitnesses of the things that we're talking about. The writers of the New Testament over and over again appeal to this first person account, this personal experience. Paul will talk about the road to Damascus when Jesus showed up. John in 1 John 1 is going to talk about touching it and seeing it and hearing it. Peter's going to use the word eyewitnesses. He says, we ourselves heard, we were with him. And this is so important. If I can translate it, Peter's saying, we were in the room where it happened. Some of you will get that. Some of you will not. That's okay. But it's so important because we know because of eyewitness accounts that we can anchor ourselves on the truth of scripture. Now, probably many of you played a game when you were children called telephone. And you know how it works when something gets handed from one person to the next and one to the next. And I was that kid that always intentionally changed the message just to, to mess it up and just to be annoying. But, but you know, even in your best efforts, when a message goes from one to the next to the next to the next, it gets lost in translation. Peter's going to say, listen, there's no losing this in translation. We ourselves were there. We're telling you what we experienced. And I can't go into it all this morning, but, but maybe at some point we'll talk about this. We also know that the, the things they wrote down were reliable then and are the same things that we're reading today. So, so we can have a confidence in this. And this is the third reason for urgency Our message is true. Our message is true. Peter's actually going to refer to a specific experience uh, that they had with Jesus. What he's going to use the term on the holy mountain. This is in Matthew chapter 17. Because of time, I can't go into that, but you need to read Matthew 17, 1 through 8. An incredible experience where any questions or doubts that Peter might have had, man, Matthew 17, 1 through 8 answered them for Peter. The things he saw, the things he heard. In fact, on Thursday night, I spoke with some of our leaders about this very passage. This this was a game changer for Peter. He went, man, there's no questioning this anymore. I've seen and I've heard and I know that this message is true. 
Peter's firsthand experience with Jesus left him with zero doubt. Verse 19, he'll say, this is the prophetic word more fully confirmed. In other words, what the prophets talked about, we saw fulfilled in the man, Jesus. We saw the dead raised. We saw the gracious authority with which he taught. Uh, We we saw uh, the lepers healed. We we saw the mute, their tongues were open and they could speak. We we, we saw these things and we experienced them firsthand. Now it's important for me to say this, personal experience does not shape truth, but it can confirm it and at times illuminate it, right? And Peter's gonna say, listen, I, I don't believe these things just because they were my experience. The prophets talked about it. The scripture affirmed it, but I can verify it. I can attest to it as true in my personal experience. Now, this is bonus material, but I'm going to throw it out there. I don't love the expression, my truth. You know, you'll hear people say that. Well, my truth is, or, or his truth, or her truth. What I would prefer is that we use the word experience. My experience is this. My experience is that. Why? Because truth doesn't change from person to person. And it doesn't change based on circumstances. Experiences do, truth does not. And Peter's going to say the truth, the unchanging truth of the prophets is what it is. But guys, by the way, we also saw it firsthand and our experience attests to the truth of scripture. So the source of truth is God's spirit, not man's experience. That's what Peter's going to say later in the passage. He says it's the source of truth, God's spirit that carried along the writers of scripture so that what we read is not the ideas of men, but it is the truth of God. That's why 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 says this, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And this is what I believe and what I'm gonna leave you with before we close. Confidence in our message can bring conviction to our ministry. It's confidence in our message that brings conviction to our ministry. Friends, when we know that the good news of Jesus is the truth, that the gospel is real and right, that alone can propel us forward to take the good news to our neighbors, to to speak up against injustice, to, to live with that urgency around the gospel because we know that our message is true. So here's how we're gonna close. Two questions that I wanna leave you with. The first is this. What is one specific and tangible way that you can live with greater intentionality this week? This may be with your children, with your neighbors, within your sphere of influence, but but what's one specific and tangible way that you can live with intentionality? You go, man, I know know these things are important, but but they haven't moved to the forefront. I, I haven't felt the urgency. Let me just remind us all that we're in the middle of a global health crisis. If we're not understanding the urgency of the gospel now, when will we ever? But let's engage, let's get in there, let's live with intentionality this week. And here's the second question. What is one truth from God's word that you will anchor yourself in this week? And maybe you begin with what's a problem area? Overcome by temptation? Are you feeling anxious? Are you doubting God's word? There is so much truth in the word that you can anchor yourself in. Verses like, uh, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Verses like, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Verses like, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. 
And could it be if you're feeling the the lean of your spiritual life that it's just time to come back to that foundation of God's word and say, God, I'm anchoring myself again. I'm building once more on the foundation of your truth. Our time is short, yes, but our impact is long and our message is true. Friends, I want to invite you one more time to join us tonight at 5 o'clock if you're able to do that. Uh, We've sent an email out. If you need information, I think it's going to be in the comments. We'd also just love to hear from you. Uh, But tonight at 5, some worship, uh, some time of scripture reading together, and a a brief message. Um, And we look forward to what God is doing even in this difficult time. Would you join me as we close this morning in prayer? God, I thank you for your word because it is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. God, I thank you for men like Peter, like John, like Paul, like James, like Luke, like others who, who put together the truth that they experienced, in, in many cases firsthand, and put it together in, in the scripture and that we could have access to your divine revelation. God, would we build our lives on it? Would, would we anchor ourselves on its truth? Would we remember that our time is short and would we live in such a way that our impact lives beyond us? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service time, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.